So uh, I guess I should quickly say for people who don't know anything about me what this is. Uh, so I make a, a podcast called Getting Better Acquainted. You can find it at www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. It's a show where I have conversations with the people I know from my closest friends and family to somebody that I might have once met at a party. Uh, there are lots of shows about famous people and this show is about everybody else. But that said, uh, these days there are a few uh, famous people on uh, but that's okay because they're people too uh, which is one of the journeys I've gone on doing the show so that's what it is uh, today we're going to be well I'll, we'll be introducing the people who are going to talk to me in a moment we're going to kick off the show now normally I have a piece of music to do that but today I'm going to do it live and it goes like this I want to get better please make me better I want to get better 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 acquainted with you Hello. So today we're going to be getting better acquainted with the Gods of Comedy podcast, uh, which is uh, Beck Hill. Hello. Hello. And Bridie Lee Kennedy. Oh, is that working? Oh, that's good. Uh, There we go. Hello, hello, hello. That's good. Uh, (laughs) That was Beck Hill for people listening in podcast land. We do sound really similar. Yeah, but I just want to make it clear that I would never start in such an unprofessional manner. So it was definitely Beck Hill. <laughs> so the first question that I ask people is, how do you know me? Yeah. Um, I've answered this question before and yet I've forgotten my own answer. <laughs> um, I, I had a gig. Yeah, that done. There you go. So, so question. Beck Hill performed at uh, my show, Stand Up Tragedy, which uh, is on at the Fiddler's Elbow uh, until the 14th at 6.30 till 7.30 here in Edinburgh. Um, and Bridie? Um, I, I guess I got to know you because you listened to Gods of Comedy and then we became Twitter friends because it's 2013. <laughs> uh, and then I also did Stand Up Tragedy with my um, Cabaret Act, Sugar and Vice. Yeah, who should check out. Um, both, both Beck and, and Bridie have shows that they, you should definitely check out and we will, we, will, we will flag those up to you at the end of the show because I usefully have a question that generally uh, is about plugging, so that'll be fine for the Edinburgh Fringe. So <laughs> that's how we know each other. Uh, the second question, I guess, is what do you do now? So I guess... In the context of this conversation, what is Gods of Comedy? Uh, well, uh, Beck and I um, started a podcast, Gods of Comedy, uh, only a couple of months ago, actually. Um, oh, there we go. Now I'm there. Uh, and um, it's basically, I should make it clear that we're not describing ourselves as Gods of Comedy. Um, that would be embarrassing and a slight <laughs> understatement. Um, but we interview other comedians about their um, religious beliefs or their sort of faith systems uh so yeah that's what it is yeah. and that's good i mean because one of the things that i found because uh, beck hill's done uh, a conversation with me for getting better acquainted before and because we don't know each other that well i didn't know whether things were that would be would lead to i mean i think we had a very interesting conversation actually but i did not know to ask you about religion which has been a theme that's come up in my show quite a lot so when i've heard gods of comedy i was like oh, uh, I missed that. Oh, I'm not a very good interviewer. But then uh, I thought, oh, I'm at the end of a fringe. I can capture that and then I'll be a better interviewer, which is what the show's all about, getting better acquainted, uh, getting better. Anyway, um, so uh, that's why I thought that you guys together would be interesting for me because uh, the show often goes into the area of religion. So I 
I'm an agnostic. Uh, that means atheists and religious people hate me kind of equally. Um, and uh, I'm quite uh, militant about that. I refuse to believe that there... I refuse to decide that there is a definite answer. I will, I will not have any truck with that. Uh, I like that you're militant about indecision. I know. That's no. fantastic. Yeah, no, I do too. That's, yeah, that, that's one of the joys about it. But the other thing about it is that it's the right uh, belief to have. Uh, so <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> But um, I don't believe that either of you are, are agnostic from what I've heard. Um, and so um, maybe if one of you wants to d- decide to tell me a little bit about what you believe in uh, first. Uh, yeah, well, I'm uh, this technically is what they refer to. Yes, I'm Beck. <laughs> uh, I'm technically what they refer to as a born again Christian, but I'm not here to convert anyone. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I, I, I wasn't brought up in a religious household or anything, but um, uh I believe in Jesus and God. That that's that's about it. Um, the main points, not the crazy ones. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I try not to use it for my own agenda. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah. I've, I mean, you're, I've never sort of uh, had any hints in your stand-up about about your um, religious beliefs. Um, when did Jesus come into your life? <laughs> that's not a question I ask Some people would very say often. He's always been there, Dave. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's see. Yeah, I um, I was about fourteen or, or fifteen, and uh, um, had my own connotations about what Christianity was that had kind of come about from pop culture and stuff, things like The Simpsons, where like you know they say that you know if you don't follow the the Ten Commandments, you go to hell. And so I just thought that that's what it was, and I was like, why would anyone want to be a part of that? Uh, and then, and then found out that actually the the actual teachings of Jesus are, are nothing like that. And then went, oh, oh, okay, right. So somewhere along the line, that's gotten a little bit lost. But back to the basics, it's all quite nice. So, so I think I might might look into this. And uh, and yeah, I, I've, I've, I haven't really looked back since. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of the Sermon on the Mount, apart from the bit about. Uh, if you look at someone, you're being unfaithful. I don't like that bit. But the rest of it, I like, generally speaking. I'm being unfaithful right now. Oh. <laughs> I am well, addressing yeah. you with my eyes. Uh, yeah, I, I wish more you're, people yeah. would be uh, unfaithful in this way with me. Little Maybe we can all undress jumper. me now uh, with your eyes. Uh, I just it'll be disappointing in real life, so it's best to do it with your eyes uh, in the imagination. <laughs> um, so, uh, Bridie, uh, you, you, you are... Oh, you have a, a faith, one of the big faiths. You have a, one of the top ten faiths. Yeah, no, I've got all of them. Um, <laughs> the top trumps. Yeah, <laughs> I'm collecting religions, messiahs. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I'm, I'm Catholic. Please don't leave. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I'm I'm Catholic. I've, I guess it's kind of wrong to say I was raised Catholic because like my mum's Catholic, but pretty much non-practicing. My dad's an atheist. Both my brothers are atheists. Um, I'm the only one who has kind of uh, stayed with it. Um, we were kind of more just like we went, we had Catholic education and stuff because they were the good schools in our area. So it wasn't really a big decision on my parents' part. Um, but uh, me being Catholic is very surprising to, I, I can know people for literally years before they realize. Um, Partly because the main things that people actually know about me up front is like I'm a pretty hardcore feminist, um, which means that when feminists find out I'm Catholic, they are disappointed. <laughs> and uh, when Catholics find out I'm a feminist, they are horrified. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think people in terms of like a faith or belief system, I think people would be like, well, she's a very liberal feminist. Catholic doesn't 
to most people's minds doesn't um, fit in with that, I guess. Uh, which is why, since we started doing Gods of Comedy, uh, so many people have come out of the woodwork on Twitter uh, and Facebook to tell me that it's weird. <laughs> so, thank you, world. <laughs> I mean, have you had anybody that's come out and said, oh, I'm really glad you're talking about religion because I don't get to talk about religion, I'm a bit ashamed of it, and you're talking about it in public? We've had loads of people do that, actually. Yeah, um, imagine you do. Uh, someone said to Beck, um, they really enjoyed the fact that the podcast is a completely non-judgmental um, space um, and no one's ever trying to convert anyone else or change anyone else's minds because we're not... We haven't actually spoken to any other Christians. No, the um, second episode's with a Satanist, isn't it? So, uh, <laughs> so that's, how, that's how broad range is. That was really <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> about the podcast is that um the people that we interview they explain why it is that they believe in those things and why it works for them and and i think one of the reasons that there's so much so many issues with different religions is that people don't understand why people believe them so they rather than try and think about why they understand it, they just put a wall there and go i don't want to think about it you're wrong and it's making me feel uncomfortable about what i believe but if everyone was just really honest about what they believed why it worked for them and as long as it's not hurting anyone then i think the world would work a little bit easier yeah no i'm, I'm i mean i'm in full agreement with that as an as an agnostic it's it's easy for me to to be like that but i i do think that it it's I mean, I don't always agree. I mean, I never agree with any religious people or, or atheists, but uh, I like to hear what they have to say. And I, if, as long as they're not hurting anybody, that's good. Uh, they may be wrong, but that's fine. Yeah. I should say the, um, well, the, the second episode, uh, Andrew O'Neill, who was the guest, uh, he actually was a Satanist. That's and he's right. now He's an occultist. He's very into ritual magic, but he said he's moved away from Satanism because he thinks it's too religious. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, if you're a Satanist, then you're basically just being like the opposite of a Christian. How boring is that? I'm going to be more broad. So like he and he does rituals to um, one of his main influences is uh, a moon goddess called Selene, um, who's like this very feminine energy and stuff. And so he's kind of moved away from Satanism to a what he views as more positive uh, rituals, which, yeah, Beck and I just spent the entire episode going whoa <laughs> it's a really long episode as well because we didn't want to shut him up he was so fascinating it's it like good. an hour and a half like it's a really long episode yeah <laughs> it's good though yeah, yeah really yeah. good for sure train or something yeah no well or, or, yeah i mean that's that's or that's a really big toilet break yeah well i mean a lot of my podcasts are that kind of length so i'm all for that um I mean, yeah, I mean, that that was an interesting episode, I thought, as well, because, like, I think there's a lot of crossovers between uh, occultism and Catholicism uh, in the terms of rituals and stuff like that. So that was interesting to have that, that yeah. conversation out there. Andrew did say to me, he was like, you know, Catholicism is ritual magic with a different name. And we talked about, I, I don't, yeah, we talked about the importance of ritual in Catholicism and, like, the fact that you are... Like when you kneel in church, you're changing your body shape. And when you change your body shape, you change the energy and everything like that. And so it's like a very uh, <clears throat> interesting way of, I don't know, f not forcing people's beliefs, but like forcing them to express or feel their beliefs in a certain way, which I found, um, yeah, I found quite interesting because not really something they emphasize in Catholic education. <laughs> We're making you kneel so you feel things uh, didn't, didn't really come up in church. Yeah, and you kneel a lot now. I do for entirely different reasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I she should. Talks about it in her show. I, yeah, I, yeah, I should say. Um, I mean, Bridie is a Catholic. She's also I wasn't being rude. Yeah, in in, in 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 her show, in her cabaret show, she is the vice uh, part of sugar and vice. Uh, yeah. 
Which um, is kind of, I like the fact that you're the Catholic half that's the vice. <laughs> you know a lot about vice, I guess, if you're a Catholic. I do, and also <laughs> because I enjoy vice. So are there, there, there aren't children in this gig, right? I uh, can't see any. Okay. If you're a child, put your hands over your ears now. <laughs> no, I should, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I should say that Sugar and Vice, um, my whole like persona in that show, which is only a slightly emphasized version of myself, is like very much like kind of sex positive slut power feminism so uh again catholicism doesn't come up much in sugar and wise because it would be confusing but it, it, is it confusing for you though to have those two things kind of coexisting um no i mean anyone who's watched a decent amount of fetish porn can tell you that catholic sluts are not unusual um <laughs> no uh it's <laughs> Anyone's watched a decent amount of fetish porn, I just see everyone go, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, that's what I thought all Catholics were like, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's, uh, it was a big, it was a, definitely a big conflict for me. Um, I tried to quit Catholicism um, from about the age of 14 onwards until about the age of 20 when I realised that, um, try as I might, I was, uh, I had a, a faith. Um, and the Catholic Church is the way that I experienced uh, it's like the means through which I express that faith, but it's not at all uh, a perfect way of doing it. Um, feminist Catholics are all about trying to change the church from the inside, but it is hard. It's really hard. Um, <clears throat> I, it's, it's, I, I mean, I admire that. I think it's braver to stay in your church and try and change it um, than to like completely turn your back on it. I think that's like the, the braver thing to do. I'm, I admire that quite a lot. Oh, lazy. I found that's a bit like on Facebook when uh, when you find out that someone you know on Facebook is racist right. and you, the first thing you want to do is defriend them. But I found that I much prefer to explain to them why they're wrong. <laughs> and then even like, and then, but in a really reasonable way, I don't like try and tell them off or anything. I just kind of like go, oh, okay, right. So this is okay. And then I try and reason with them. And then with some people, it's worked. Like they've turned around and apologized. And yeah. Been well, like, oh, shit. I didn't realize. We were actually involved Sorry. in a Facebook uh, thread together yes. where somebody completely changed their, their mind on rape jokes. I'm not going to name who yeah. the person was, but it was really um, actually magical. I was so, like, it was so heart- it was heartwarming, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and so people always say to me, but like, if you get people like that who argue and they're like, why don't you just defriend them? I'm like, because then they'll never change. Like, then all I'm doing is making the divide between us a lot further. I know if I try and reason with them and not take out that, that influence in their life, then, then maybe I'll help. And, you know, some of them, it's, it is a lost cause. Some people aren't going to change their mind. They might defriend me, but, like, I can't, you know, at least I tried. So are you saying I need to like add the Pope on Facebook and yeah. start? Like, <laughs> well, he's, on, he's on Twitter. You can tweet him. Well, I've I've tweeted him a lot of times, but he's never replied. Strangely That's enough, weird. He's, yeah, I'll just start trolling him about I've, I've like, not been condom as use as in Southeast Asia yeah. and stuff. Exactly right. Great. Yeah. What I find really fascinating <laughs> about um, Bridie, like uh, Bridie though, is that because I think uh, I think the issues with like um, uh, religion, especially Catholicism and and sex, uh, the issues come about when people kind of hide it because they're ashamed of it and then they don't want to talk about it and then it kind of finds its way out in these really weird, perverse right, ways. Right, It's horrible. Whereas if more people were like Bridie and just went, you know what, like this is how, this is my, this is how I am sexually, this is what I enjoy, 
again, it's that whole thing of you're not hurting anyone, you're only like involved with other people who are in the same mindset and stuff, then then that's not an issue and it can and it doesn't need to be an issue and then and I like I'm I'm the opposite I I didn't I've only had sex with the same guy that I've been with for the last 5 years and that's cuz personally I I found that for me I couldn't detach emotions and sex but other people are different it's just how we're made yeah yeah so <laughs> I think like I I wish more I wish more Catholics or other religious people would would kind of separate the two things and go actually no I'd still like you know, the beliefs that you're still going to treat people nicer there. Keep that part. But, yeah. you know, you can you can be proud of what you are and what you do. For sure. I mean, I totally think that's true. I mean, uh, I think in, I often think in terms of sexuality, if everybody was much more honest about what they got up to behind closed doors, no one would care as much about what went on behind closed doors, you know? Unless it's like, you know illegal and if it's illegal <laughs> if it's illegal then they should be honest about it so we can arrest them exactly, um but, yeah, but if yeah. it's not illegal then it's absolutely fine uh and if it's not hurting anybody i think that's another uh <clears throat> way, one of many maybe every area every element of life if you don't hurt anyone that's okay but if you do it's pretty bad and sexually it is okay to hurt someone provided they consent yeah consent Just, consent um, is the point yeah it's gonna make in that terms of sex yeah sure <laughs> sure um yeah uh i agree <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has become yeah. so Yeah, you got to watch out with me. I'm very much an oversharer, so you got to watch out where we, where we end up. You never know what kind of a podcast oh, you're going to be involved in. You're wearing. No one wants to see it. <laughs> oh no! Oh, he's waving all over the crowd. They can't see. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. Yeah, there the are people, people home, in the know. room who can see. Though. Yeah, and yeah, they all are the disgusted. There. <laughs> Look at their faces. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so you kind of came to Christianity when you were growing up. Why? I mean, was there a thing that made you find that pathway? I mean, was it just thinking or what? Yeah, well, I mentioned, I mentioned it in, uh, in our podcast. Um, but, uh, but if you can't be stuffed listening to that after this one. Um, <laughs> you should. Uh, for me, it was, uh, it was around about the same time that I realised that my parents were just normal people. Like, because you grow up thinking that your parents are infallible and that they're, like, perfect beings. You want to grow up and be like them. And then around that age, I kind of realised that, oh, they've got faults and, like, bad faults. And, you know, they are just human. And um, and I suddenly found myself going, I, I don't know. I Wow, I, I don't know what I believe in anymore. Because I used to just believe in whatever they believed in. And, like, I've, I'm from a very left-wing family, like, very political family. And, and I still am very left-wing, but at the same time, I kind of went, I should maybe explore what I believe in a bit more if if because if they can be wrong about some things maybe they're wrong about other things um and it was around that time that I went right uh who is kind of infallible hey who's this Jesus guy yeah he sounds pretty all right and um that was around about the same time I went okay right that's something I can agree on and and just those those uh teachings there and did it like what's the experience of getting faith like of finding faith I mean I've I maybe I think maybe when I was a kid I believed in things. I was quite fluid. I believed in uh, like the Greek gods for a bit, and then I believed in the you know uh, the Norse gods because they were cooler, and then <laughs> and then I believed in uh, Christianity for a bit, uh, and then I you know, started believing in myself. And yeah. uh, 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 look where it's got me. But uh, <laughs> but but I mean I I don't really know what it's like to have faith as an adult. You know to have yeah. something that you believe in. I mean I what's found that like? it, it did help. It helped me believe in myself because suddenly I felt like um, I, for me, it kind of made me feel like things were a little bit clearer. Like I didn't have to stress about so many things. So then I could concentrate on on stuff that 
that was close to me and important to me and I found it kind of encouraged me to get into uh, areas of my life like so for instance I um, again grew up believing that uni was the automatic thing that you do after school because uh, you know parents very it's all about education and I still think for some people that is definitely the case depending on what you want to do but I didn't know what I wanted to do and I, I kind of went oh I don't I don't have to go to uni if I don't know what it is I want to do. There's no point spending 20 grand trying to work out if that's what I want to do. Yeah. And um, and I'm not sure if I... It just kind of helped me go, okay, right, there's some... As long as I'm approaching things with the right mindset. Um, like I try and... With comedy and stuff, I always... When I'm writing shows and stuff or when I'm writing jokes, occasionally I've got like some black humour stuff, but I always try and ask myself, right, is this going to upset anyone is it going to hurt anyone if I was in the audience would I enjoy this okay and then I just try it's that whole treat others how you want to be treated thing and it, I found it really helped me find out what it is that I want to do and how I want to add to society so for me it gave me direction yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that direction was towards comedy as well which yeah, is yeah. It's a, it's not something people would expect you find find God and then you become a comedian the first time <laughs> I tried to do because I loved stand-up like my parents used to take me to a lot of stand-up when I was growing up and the first uh, joke I like the first stand-up I did was at a youth group and they did a talent show and I said can I do some, some stand-up and they were like yeah sure so I got up and told some jokes <laughs> that I'd written like one of them was something like, I work at a hut of pizza. Mm, I can't say what it is, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, just like one of the jokes was, how funny is Mrs. Sexton's name? Like, that was a joke. <laughs> but, you know, it killed. Um, and I then, need to bring this stuff back. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Your set this year has been flat. You need, yeah. you need that hut yeah. of pizza in. Solid, solid <laughs> material. So, uh, yeah, it was around. Uh, so, so, it was that. And it was all, like, youth leaders and all other kids who went, oh, you should do this more. And so, it kind of planted the seed of me going yeah maybe I should do this more yeah. and uh, and many would probably regret that <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's it's a, it, I mean that's nice that it's like it I guess one of the things that God can give people is community I guess uh, and that sounds like yeah. what you found and that's a, an excellent thing to find I don't know if you've um, spoken to Sanderson Jones who does the Sunday Assembly um, which is an atheist church that's, I've heard of it but I haven't which spoken is to him a, which yeah. is um, an amazing concept and a nice thing I've, I've been chatting to because we get on really well and, and we're kind of talking about how it's interesting that for him like they felt that what was missing from from being atheists is that they missed out on the community side of it. So they've created a community, they've created yeah. a church and they do good. Like they go out, they do good things, but they, you know, um, just they they don't do it because of a faith or anything. They just, well, it's more like we do it because we're going to die and then that's it. So let's do it now. Right. And I, and again, I think that's a really nice, you know, like that's a, that's a lovely uh, concept. I like that. And I think, again, that's something that, probably works for a lot of people and if it means that the world becomes a better place because of it so be it yeah sure mm. i mean so what does faith feel like for you then uh Pridey? like how, how does like has it's been with you all your life uh, i guess which is different from how it's been for back um yeah i don't i don't really know i don't really know that it, i could have called it faith when i was a kid um i remember having like when you're a child if you're catholic like it's more about like Sunday church is boring my family mostly we didn't really go to church on Sundays either we went like Good Friday and Christmas Eve um but because I was at Catholic school like you would go sometimes through school but then it's like oh your first communion's exciting because you get to get dressed up and have cake and like um and we I, we had to do reconciliation which was confession which was super awkward like we talk about this in one of our episodes as well but I just you we used to just sit across from our priest in like 
armchairs. Like there was no divider, um, which was really awkward as well. Because like when I think about it now, like he was definitely drunk like the whole time. But as a child, <laughs> as a, he was an Irish priest called Father Peter and like he just slurred and he had this smell that I now identify as whiskey because <sighs> – I usually wake up and that is what I smell like. But like at the time, I just went, oh, he's funny smelling. Uh, yeah. So as a kid, it wasn't, it was just a series of activities. And then when I was a teenager, I was like, oh, I'm so, okay, now he really is getting undressed. Um, <laughs> it's very hot. It's hot. And he's like, I was trying to do it subtly, but it's quite a hard jumper to do subtly. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. As a teenager, I definitely, <clears throat> because I went through, you know, a big rebellious. Um, stage and I part of the way I rebelled was being like I'm an atheist which is crazy because I wasn't really rebelling against anything like no one in my family had any problem with that um it's like I'm gonna cut my hair short and pierce my nose and be an atheist and my parents who were like old hippies were like yeah go do that enjoy (laughs) we're gonna like smoke some weed and enjoy each other's company um (laughs) top-notch parenting by the way uh but yeah they um so I it was only I really really tried and then I I found I still felt a kind of connection to some other power. And then when I got to university or in my first year at uni or just the start of my second year, when I was still kind of struggling with this and I was actually dating someone for a long time who was a very, very militant atheist. Um, and my grandmother died, who I had been really close to. And she had, we'd grown, she lived next, we lived next door to her for most of my life. And then the last few years she lived with us and I was one of her primary carers because she was 94 when she died. So she needed a lot of care. Um, and when she died, I, re- I realized that I was, relating to her death in what I could identify as a kind of Christian faith way and I wasn't meaning to um like I was in the room when she died my whole family were and we were all asleep because she was in hospital we're all asleep on the floor and at the moment that she died all five of us woke up and we looked at each other and my mom just reached out and like took my grandmother's hand and we all looked at each other and just knew that she was gone um and for whatever reason that was I had a I suddenly felt this weird a very close connection to the idea of a soul um anyway i was majoring in philosophy at uni um because i did waste twenty thousand dollars for no reason (laughs) um but yeah i was doing double majors of philosophy philosophy and history and uh in philosophy you spend a lot of time talking about the concept of a soul and whether you talk about whether you're a dualist or a materialist and so do you believe that everything in the world like that there is just the physical or do you believe that there are things unseen as well and my first couple of essays um uh I was writing about how yeah no it's just the physical like obviously because I am a cool like 19 year old and and we don't believe in things we can't see um And as I was writing, I actually realized that I didn't believe anything I was saying. Like I completely believed in the concept of the soul. I felt a huge connection to my own concept of the soul. I felt a connection to other people's. Um, And I gradually started to investigate that. And I kind of returned to the faith that I had had or the religion I'd had as a child and realized I remember writing something at the time, uh, which my, (laughs) I wrote, my boyfriend and I lived together and I, uh, wrote it in like a notebook that we kept like scribbles in next to our computer and he opened it and freaked out because I had written I'd come home in the middle of the night and had sat down and I had written in big letters um 
I think I was born a Christian, not made one. And my atheist boyfriend, <laughs> oh, he freaked out. He was like, oh, my God, you're going to try and convert me. And I was like, babe, you don't try and convert me and I won't try and convert you. And he was like, but what you believe is dumb. Um, <laughs> we're still together, very happy. Uh, no. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I, I think f- what I realized was that I had faith and I had to try and figure out a way of um, practicing it. And so if I hadn't had the Catholic Church to begin with, would that have been the way I practiced it? Maybe not. There are more liberal churches out there. But one of the big um, points of Catholicism is that it's not an evangelical religion. Um, Catholics aren't supposed to convert. We don't. That's not a part of our um, beliefs. Whereas uh, a lot of other Christian faiths, it's a huge, huge part that you are supposed to convert unbelievers. I could never be a part of that. I have no interest in changing anyone else's mind. I think that some of the most cruel people I know have identified as Christians and some of the most beautiful souls though they would say they don't have them that I know belong to atheists so I've got no interest in changing anyone's mind and Catholicism is uh pretty good for that I mean how did it has uh, Catholicism like fed into your cabaret in the like act uh, in the way that you know I mean I imagine it probably has in some way um Okay, well, what's weird about the act I'm doing at the moment, because I do a lot of different comedy and everything, but Sugar and Vice, um, my cabaret partner, Courtney, <laughs> is, she is a born, well, she's a born again Christian, um, and she ha- uh, she's, she's very liberal and everything, but she um, doesn't believe in sex before marriage, for her, she, she <laughs> we would not. We would have some trouble with each other if she uh, believed it generally. <laughs> so actually, um, the show we're doing at the moment is called All the Men We've Never Slept With. And uh, we talk in the show about the fact that Courtney's a virgin and I am whatever the opposite of a virgin is. Um, and But we don't talk about religion in the show. Um, people ask afterwards sometimes, uh, but they always ask Courtney. They don't ask me. And Courtney will say, yes, I'm Christian and blah, blah. But we just don't talk about the fact that I'm Catholic, I guess, because... One of the things I defy about the Catholic Church is its desire to um, regulate sex. Um, I think the law does a pretty good job of regulating sex um, because they talk about, like, the law is concerned with consent. Um, Catholics, the Catholic Church is concerned with the type of sex you're having um, (laughs) and when you're having it and... um, whether or not you are trying to prevent STDs and pregnancy. Uh, And I don't think that that is something that uh, is anyone's business, including the church. Um, Yeah. So it doesn't, yeah. So I don't, I don't really talk about it much uh, on stage. But has it be a whole new show? Yeah. I mean, I mean, but has it like, um, well, I mean, it's like, I don't know. Does do you, do you think that the fact that you like being naughty on stage? I guess. Do you think that kind of comes as a like a, a she's like, naughty off stage? Sure, I know. Yeah, I've I've heard uh, <laughs> from you right, the way the way that you guys talk about her not uh, not uh, from the the streets, not from the punters on the streets. That's fine. Someone did. Uh, <laughs> someone a friend of ours, actually Jim Campbell, who was in the first episode of Gods and Gods of Comedy, who was a mutual friend of ours, came up to me yesterday and. Uh, said, um, oh, I was talking to Beck. I uh, heard what you got up to on the party bus the other night. And I went... <laughs> and I was like, huh? And he goes, just word on the street, babe. Just word on the street. I was like... He's the only person I've So you could have heard it any number of ways, Rebecca. Um, no, uh, I don't know if it's got much to do with that. I mean, I certainly... Um, did used to 
you know, when I was younger, I enjoyed being naughty in church, uh, but not sexually. Oh boy, um, <laughs> there's a lot. I've seen a lot of films of involving churches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> do, yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong; it's not a lot. Something I've thought Just about, but um, uh, yeah. No, I I don't know if it's anything to do with that. I I actually think that's more to do with my um, feminism. Like I'm very much. Um, my parents are both. Like really, really militant feminists, and um, uh, one of the conversations that I've had with them over the years is because they obviously came of age in a different um, different generation of, of uh, feminists, and um, sex positive feminism um, wasn't that was not a term used then. Um, the whole like slut walk movement and everything has been something that's really come about a lot in the last few years. And it's something I really connected to. And um, my parents really struggled with that initially because my mom was like, well, my generation of feminists didn't really, like we weren't, we, we didn't think the word slut was a good thing. We didn't, and, and so, like, it was just a very different attitude to it. And, um, but they've really got on board with it so much. And they're so, I remember when I did Slut Walk Sydney a couple of years ago, my parents were in Greece and uh, my mom um, texted me saying, um, uh, have fun today uh, oh she was like have fun today little one give a hug to all the other sluts for me uh, <laughs> and my mom's in her 60s and uh, my dad sent me oh my dad tweeted saying uh, he he was like uh, in solidarity with my daughter and all the other sluts at Slutworks <laughs> Slutwalk Sydney um, today I'm only going to wear my swimming costume yay <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think that has had that's, that's definitely uh, influenced um, my work more does it come from a weird part of me that is trying to defy Catholicism? Perhaps. Um, <laughs> but that is something for my therapist to discover. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I, uh, I have to avoid trying to play therapist quite often. <laughs> Good luck to you. Yeah, to distract from my own issues, you see. I, I'll, I'll therapize other people's. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, so you, you, the podcast that you do kind of combines uh, religion with comedy. I mean, um, is that that's not really do you think that's something that's done i mean it seems like well i'll phrase my sentence in a way that makes sense how about that uh it seems to me something that 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 generally comedians steer away from like touching on comedy i mean uh has it been like have you been afraid of kind of coming out as as religious and that, that it would have an effect on your careers or it's funny when i first started doing comedy um in the like not just in youth group um <laughs> i my used to do a couple of jokes about um being christian and uh about how the time i was i was waiting so i was a virgin at the time i used to do jokes about that and it was all like self-deprecating stuff so um and it was interesting because a lot of people just really got on board with that like when i started out um i was one of the only girls in adelaide doing comedy at the time uh, there wasn't many of us um most of the other comics were at least maybe four or five years older plus um and they all kind of looked after me like they all kind of really got very supportive and if anyone kind of bad it or anything they were really even though a lot of them are atheists and stuff they were all just more about yeah atheists can be nice too yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah no, i know mean, like they were very protective sure. about um and it was really it's a really supportive environment 
Um, and as I went on, I started to do comedy more about other things. Because when you start comedy, like if you ever see new people doing comedy, they often start with the whole like, I know what you're thinking. I look like a cross between this and this. And that's because the first thing you start to write is like, okay, what's the most obvious thing about me? Like what what's a thing that I can use to define myself apart from everyone else? Um, and then as you get on, you start to write more about um, other things that kind of apply to you or others and, and that sort of stuff. And... Um, uh, and as I went on doing that kind of it, the Christianity became less and less of a topic in it and so now I don't really talk about it and when people find out it's it is like it's really odd because some people do they completely change their and then when they realize I'm, I'm still the same person I haven't I haven't changed they've changed they kind of I haven't lost anyone over it yet but I have had a few people kind of after a few drinks, go. I, I just don't understand. Um, and that, like the, it's interesting. We we interviewed Abigail uh, Sh- Shamal um, for one of the. That's the only way you're allowed to say her last name. Uh, for one of the podcasts, and she was saying how I because I went to see her show. Uh, she went to see my show in Adelaide, and then I went to go see her show. And apparently, she was telling a, a mutual friend of ours, "Oh, um, Beck Hill's going to come see me," and the friend went. Beck Hill's going to see your show. And she went, yeah. And Abigail is quite like, you know, for lunch, very open about her sexuality and stuff like that. And then uh, and then she said, um, I, don't, I don't know if Beck Hill will like it. And she went, why not? She went, she's kind of a like born again Christian. <laughs> and it was okay. just fascinating how like, because she, and she didn't know me that well. So she just heard along the grapevine that, that uh, like she just heard that label, assumed that it meant that I'm one of the, bad ones and um <laughs> and then just yeah and then it was funny how there were certain people who were kind of like careful what you say about back yeah and, you know just kind of they make assumptions about me and stuff um then they get to know me and they realize i'm just as rubbish as everyone else. i guess it's an, i mean to, you know to make a, a, a horrific pun it's the cross that you guys bear because of the fact that you um i mean if i was i mean i'm not gay but if i was gay um i think i would be very distrustful of somebody if they if I heard that they were religious generally speaking because there's so much homophobia in all the religions um, I'm still I'm, I'm like that even though I'm not gay because I support gay rights and yeah. so uh, and the same with women's right to choose all of the kind of all of the feminist issues I, I mean I consider myself to be a sex positive feminist some feminists won't let me in the club because I, I have to be an ally but uh, whatever I don't mind as long as we get a better world in the end that's fine with me just to get me in more trouble with feminists I hate the fact that some feminists say that men can only be allies you can absolutely be a feminist my father's one my brothers are feminists it's like I think it's a really I think that is a weird labeling issue which I disagree with them on sure so. well patriarchy hurts so welcome men. yeah well patriarchy hurts men too I mean I think it's it's kind of illogical to be a man and not be a feminist because uh, masculinity has not treated me well and I'd like rid of it uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm wearing a Moomin's top. You can tell I get problems from masculinity. I think, <laughs> in, a, I think in an ideal world, um, people wouldn't need to say that they're feminist. Like, in an ideal world, yeah. we'd all see each other equally. We you wouldn't just have need fun. something to, to balance out stuff, the other yeah. part. I didn't know that sexism... Like, I've been really lucky because I do really lovely rooms. I do really lovely podcasts. I do, like, I'm very protected. And it was only recently that I did a really horrible gig where I realised that there's still a lot of sex... Like, like in comedy still. Like, I, I forget that. I know you occasionally see it, but yeah. I come across it live so so little nowadays. And I did a gig the other night and, like... 
as soon as I walked on stage, the guy, the drunk guys at the front row went, wait, just because I was a girl. Like, just like, oh. And already I was like, okay. Managed to win them over and I was really happy with myself. And I walked off stage like, yes, I smashed that. That was, I'm really proud of myself. And the MC was this like old hat guy and he came on afterwards and went, how great was she? I shagged her. When she finds out, she'll be furious. <sighs> like, way to undermine a set. Like, who? Like, and this is the thing. This is my job. And if I was working like a day job and my manager came in after I did a presentation and went, I shagged her. When she finds out, she'll be furious. I'm pretty sure I'd get fired. Yeah. So it's really odd that that is still out there. But it's, it is a shame that I, I think it's I love the fact that there's feminists out there. I think it's really sad that we need them. I think right. In an ideal world. It wouldn't be necessary on either side. Well, we live in a world now with bubbles as well. Like if you if your Twitter bubble is all nice, if your comedy bubble is all nice, then it is hard to remember what it's like for people who are not in those bubbles. Um, and I mean, as a as a middle class white man, I'm in lots of bubbles that mean it's hard for me to understand the oppressions that other people are feeling. But I think that, that was a beautiful privilege check you just did there. <laughs> sure. uh, yeah, uh, cisgendered too. Um, but yeah, um, but uh, I think that the same is true for for women who are have privilege it's hard for them to know what it's like for, for to remember what it's like and that sounds like a, a horrific moment of kind of re- privilege checking for, for yourself really like you go oh shit this is this is where i'm at it's, uh, it's so depressing when you realize that there are like still um I, i'm not going to surround this but when there's still um, <laughs> c words out there and because <laughs> it's you're just like are you what well, the you know what the one thing that made me feel better at that gig is that because he was so, so old I was like he, you're gonna die soon like that was, <laughs> that was how I made myself feel better I was like you'll die and then then your your ways of life will die and uh, the new lot of generation of comedians who I know will come up and it will be lovely well fingers crossed that happens I mean I don't know <laughs> see I I kind of. I never got to enter that comedy bubble just purely through circumstance. I think in like the first year I was working as a comedian um, professionally, I was at Melbourne Comedy Festival and I was set up on, you know, a work meeting with them, with this guy who was quite a major producer in Australian comedy. And um, we had this great meeting and he'd seen the show I'd written and everything. And he, he's like, I really think you have an amazing future ahead of you. And I was like 21 and I was like, this is, Sorry, I was like... You can swear on the podcast. It's just Beck didn't want it. <laughs> Flip it. Um, yeah, so I was really like, oh, wow, this is amazing and this is going to go... And then at the end of the meeting, he goes, can I just give you one piece of advice because I really think it's going to help you? And I was like, yes, please. And he leant across the table and he put his hand on my face, which is the most patronizing thing you can do to anyone. And he stroked it with his thumb and he said, Bridie, if you want to work in comedy, you need to make a decision. Do you want to be pretty or do you want to be funny? And took his hand away. And she chose funny. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I'm aging horribly. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, and so that was like my first experience. I went, oh, oh, oh God, because this guy seemed so on board. He seemed so great. And so I sort of went, okay, maybe be a little like not distrustful, but expect that these sorts of things are being said about you if not to you and then uh one of the reasons i moved uh, i live in the uk beck and i both live in the uk now i'm from sydney but one of the reasons i moved is um i do think that the industry is uh better about at least acknowledging the fundamental sexism in it in the uk than it is in australia we're not quite there yet um yeah yeah i mean i guess you uh 
you, it's harder for you to get into that bubble as well because you, you, you do sort of sexy comedy, uh, which means that people are, do you know what I mean? Like it means that people are more likely to be sexist towards you because you're being out there and being a woman who owning their own sexuality. Uh, like uh, Beck, Beck stuff is kind of, doesn't really go into those areas as much. And I sort think of, my stuff's quite childish a lot of the time, so people probably feel a little bit like pedo-y. <laughs> to me. Yeah. No, sure. That definitely, if they go and see your uh, fantastic uh, kids show, they would definitely feel that way. Yes. I'm still in kids show costume, by the way. I just realized. Yeah. Like, I mean, like this this knitted jumper with like a massive bow on my hair. It is not far from what I normally wear, but this is my kids show get up. Just Ooh. in case anyone's going, she's really trying to amp up the innocent Christian look. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels a bit surreal for me because I saw your show like a, a like a week ago, and uh, now I'm sort of on stage with the character. With the character, I'm like famous. It's hardly a character. It's, yeah. I've been asked <laughs> yeah, three with, times with by the character children. of Beck Hill. Yeah. I've been asked three times by children if I'm an adult. Adult or a girl, like, <laughs> which is a question I ask myself a lot. <laughs> like the first time was uh, was a kid was a mum was oh this is a, a like a friend's mum was going through some of my holiday photos on Facebook and apparently her little girl said, "Mum, is she a big girl or a little girl? Is she our cousin?" Like just because automatically that's the only reason why you would look at someone else's photos on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> then um, someone who uh, we did the show um, a preview of the show at a primary school and a kid came up to me afterwards. And asked if I'm supposed to be a little girl or a, uh, a grown-up. And then when we were flyering, um, a mum and a girl came up to us while we were flyering who said they'd seen the show. And I was chatting to both of them and chatting to the little girl like straight on forward. And then the little girl turned to her mum as if I couldn't hear what she was saying and just went, Mum, is she actually a grown-up or is she, is she one of us little girls? And I was like – and her mum kind of looked at me like – I, I think she's a grown-up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, as if I've got this weird, like, disease where, like, I'm just much... Like, I am a little girl, but I'm just really, like, in proportion, but massive. <laughs> I, um, I, I also do kids' entertainment. I'm not doing one at the moment. And a few, <laughs> a few years ago, I was on tour. I used to run a production company in Australia, and we were touring um, kids' shows. We were doing Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass musical versions, and I was playing Alice. And uh, we, we were also doing adults. <laughs> I was doing late night improv and cabaret, which is a really good combo. Um, but I was out one night and I was dating the guy, one of the guys in the Alice shows. And one of the characters he played was the Mad Hatter. He played a lot of characters. Anyway, we were out. It was probably 11 p.m. We'd had quite a bit to drink. And uh, we were outside our venue and we were kissing. And he, you know, had his hand in my back pocket. And I heard this voice go, Alice? <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. And I turned around and this child had just run away from their parents who were taking them. So, first of all, why is the child out that late? I can't be blamed for that. But I looked down and I went, hi. And then she turns to the guy and goes, Hatta? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, what are you doing out so late? Oh, we've just been having some adventures in the bar. Um, <laughs> and her parents came up and sort of got her and walked away and they were like, I'm sorry. And I was like, I'm sorry. And a couple of years later, I, I did a show called Fairy Fail and it actually toured to the UK. And uh, I was like two years after I did that, I was in um, Garlic and Shots, which is a horror themed bar in Soho. And I was doing tequila shots with, I don't know, some random dude. Anyway, I was, <laughs> I was doing tequila shots next to like this weird mummy statue. And this guy goes, hey, brownie locks. And I was like, oh, no, yes, hello. And he goes, 
my kids love you. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. And he goes, I am going to tell them that I ran into you. And I was like, please don't tell them how. This is, <laughs> that is going to be traumatic for everyone. Yeah. So yeah, kids entertainment. No, it's my bit, you're kind of describing my biggest fears. I work with the under fives in my day job uh, and uh, do a, a night called Stand Up Tragedy, which I'm not wearing the T-shirt for, but everyone should come to the show. Uh, uh, and that's very different from kids' entertainment. And uh, I smoke cigarettes because I'm a bad person. Uh, and I spend a lot of time worried that I'm going to destroy a child. Like just, I, once it happened to me, I was smoking out, like, just outside and a child like started crying because they see me in their group and they were like, obviously being told if they smoke, they're going to die and suddenly they, 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 their child's entertainer is going to die uh, yeah I can understand why they were crying uh, <laughs> but I don't want to make that happen again so, you, so I'm, I'm glad that I work far away and uh, from where I live and have not been seen uh, doing anything inappropriate not that I do anything inappropriate because I work for the council <laughs> so yes <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been re- yeah, it's been a really fascinating conversation, and I'm really pleased that it's worked out this way. I never know how it's going to go in the live live setting because I normally do these very very you know intimate, as you know, well, kind of intimate. We had people running around the running around the Royal Festival Hall, I think, oh, yes, behind yeah. us when we were doing it. But at least it's it was, there was nobody watching us uh, most of the time. But uh, <laughs> we are talking about the podcast. Right? Yeah, we're talking about the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the podcast. Good, good save uh, for me there with my ridiculous in a bit like I'm, I'm, I'm you know it's, this is the the brain of someone who's been in edinburgh for for too long and uh that's uh, unfortunate for the listeners but hopefully i'll get my sentence together by the end of it um so yeah the last thing that i ask people really is do you have anything to plug um which i think we can spend a little bit of time on because there's quite a lot to plug what are you what is, what is being said in the room what's going on nothing okay good right fine um, uh, I, that was just someone running out to um, flyer, I think. Fly for my show because uh, they uh, yes. they think it's so good that they uh, want to go fly me for. I don't know. I'm just making up. It something. might have been. It was one of my I'm team, just... so they weren't running around out because they didn't like <laughs> me. Hopefully not. Anyway, uh, so I'm doing a, a kid show at 11 a.m. called Beck and Tom's Awesome Laundry. We've only got one show left. Um, so if you're listening to the podcast, go tomorrow. Suck it. Oh, yeah. Um, unless, is the podcast going out today? Maybe not. It's yeah, going to be exactly, hard. Yeah. Uh, so it's 11 a.m. tomorrow. Um, but so everybody in the, room, in the room, go and see it. Uh, also, 11 you don't o'clock. need children. <laughs> David can attest to that. It was my. It's, yeah. it's been like it's my pick of the fringe, pretty much, uh, and it made me cry uh, as well as laugh, uh, which is something I like to do. We we just kick you in the shins for an hour. But, um, but it's what's, what's good is it, really it doesn't upsetting. make kids cry, but it makes adults cry, like the Toy Story effect, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what we were going for. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good show is the one where you make the grown-ups cry. Um, uh, and then also I'm doing a solo show at four o'clock called Beck by Popular Demand, which is at the Gilded Balloon until the end of the Fringe, uh, or until the August 25th. And that's your like collective kind of best op- bits of yeah, all of I've your other stand-ups. Yeah, I've been trying not to call it a best of because it's <laughs> a little bit like Justin Bieber writing an autobiography at age like 19 or whatever. Like there's not, I don't have that many best bits. So if it was the best bits, it'd be a much shorter show. But, um, <laughs> but it's an amalgamation of my favourite bits from the last three shows I've done. Fair enough. Yes? Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm doing um, Sugar and Vice, All the Men We've Never Slept With. Uh, that's at the Gilded Balloon at 9pm. Um, comedy cabaret stuff. Um, and I'm also, uh, oh, listen listen to Gods of Comedy, guys. Um, you can find us at godsofcomedypodcast.com. 
com or on iTunes. Um, if you're super cool and have an, uh, a podcast app, subscribe to us through iTunes. Um, yeah, so we're doing that. Uh, I'm also, I think we're doing, I've written a musical about the wives of Henry VIII and I think we're going to be doing some industry reads of that in Edinburgh, so keep an eye out for that. I don't know when or where. Um, so this is a pretty good plug. Uh, <laughs> oh, but if you want to find out, um, I will be putting that stuff out through Twitter where I am at Bridie L-K, B-R-Y-D-I-E-L-K. I'm um, I'm running pun, a pun run in Edinburgh. Um, pun run is a pun-based comedy club that I run where all the comedians have to do puns and wordplay only. Um, so if you feel like torturing yourself for an hour, uh, come along to that Wednesday, uh, 5 past 6 um, in the evening. Queue early. We had the queue start at 5.30 last Wednesday and we had to turn people away. Um, all the money is going to scope. So at the end, we just asked for a donation at the end. that All that goes to scope. Uh, and then um, if you're back in London listening to this, Pun Run is once every two months at the Phoenix. It's one of the most fun shows that is run in London. It is, <laughs> it is so good. It's exhausting for Beck. It is amazing if you're <laughs> in the audience. It's so good. And yeah, I mean, my plug is Stand Up Tragedy, uh, which you can see until the 14th at the Fiddler's Elbow at 6.30 till 7.30, one hour of uh, free tragedy. It's part of the PBH Free Fringe like this. Um, And as everyone knows, the PBH Free Fringe, it's free to come in. It's free for performers to have the spaces, but it's not completely free to live in Edinburgh for a period of time. So you guys, on the way out, if you've enjoyed what's happened today, feel free, feel free to put some money into the uh, into the bucket on your way out. Uh, give me as much money as you feel I deserve. Uh, obviously, if you deserve, think feel I deserve uh, hundreds of pounds, that is fine. Um, but uh, it's equally, if you haven't got any money, the only thing he asks then is don't put it in. If it's notes, um, he just wants you to make sure you put it into the elastic of his underpants. That's all he's. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but if yeah, if you haven't got any money, then please don't spend it on me. Uh, there's 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 other, there's other great shows to spend it on, uh, which I heartily recommend. But yeah, stand up tragedy. We do. We're a variety night. Uh, we've had Beck and Bridie on, as they said, uh, in pr- previous uh, versions of our show. We've got Simon Munnery and uh, Nat Lesima. Lesima, good good work, good save uh, on uh, on Wednesday. Day, although you might you might prefer to go to Pun Run, uh, it feels weird to be promoting a show that's against a charity show. But uh, but yeah, um, and we, but come before the fourteenth because that's when we're when we're when we're finishing here. But but Stand Up Tragedy itself is also a podcast, um, and uh, Beck's been on that podcast way back. If you want to go back into the annals annals of the history of the Stand Up Tragedy podcast, Bridie um, has either been out or will be coming out. Been out. That's my producer, producer uh, Bryony, uh, chipping in there for me. Thank you very much, Bryony. Um, shout out for Bryony. A round of applause for Bryony for chipping in. She's a. She'll that'll embarrass her. That's what I like to do to people is embarrass them. Um, so yeah, the. Uh, so we're putting a podcast out, Stand Up Tragedy, every day of the festival toward the 26th. And that involves performances, it involves interviews, it involves people being asked their tragic moments on the Royal Mile. And in fact, Bryony probably will be lurking around uh, outside the venue um, so uh, and in the next room. So if anybody here has any tragic moments that they've had at the Fringe, please uh, find her and, and, and tell them to her she wants to collect them. Uh, just she, she will put them out on the podcast, she's not collecting them for her own kind of complicated 
uh, listening pleasure. I, I, I assure you. Uh, so it's been talking of pleasure. It's been a real pleasure getting better acquainted with you both today. Gods of Comedy podcast. Uh, Friday and Beck. I looked at Beck, and then when I said Friday, I looked at Friday. When I said Beck, I can't Beck, see I don't you, know, David. It's don't know what's going on. That's true. Uh, so yeah. Um, Listen to Getting Better Acquainted. It's www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. Normally, uh, there's more less ums because I edit them out. Uh, <laughs> they happen, but they're not there normally. Um, and yeah, the last thing that I ask my uh, guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience. So I guess we've got two audiences to say goodbye to. We've got the ones at home and we've got the ones here. So make of that as you will. <laughs> um, bye, people at home audience here i can still see you but um goodbye i will close my eyes now <laughs> that's good that works um suck it both of you Woo! back out <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah that's good <laughs> it's always good to alienate the audience just at the end they won't have listened this long anyway so um the yeah and, and i thought another nice thing to do would be to ask my audience to say goodbye to the audience so, uh, audience that's here in the, in the room, uh, we're going to hold the microphone out to you. So, after three, if you want to say goodbye to the audience who's listening at home. One, two, three. Thanks very much for coming. Please uh, give as generously as you need to on your way out. Uh, this has been Getting Better Acquainted at the Edinburgh Festival. We're back here tomorrow doing another conversation, this time with Peter Buckley-Hill, who is the guy that organises the Free Fringe. And I hope to have the courage to ask him about his emails. Okay. 